1: What is going on everybody and welcome to another episode of the fantasy football roundtable podcast. It is Tuesday week two is officially in the books. We are moving on to week three as soon as we recap the Monday night football game between the Lions and the Packers. Matt, how are you doing on this beautiful Tuesday? Oh,
2: Doing pretty good if I remember to <laughs> unmute myself. <laughs> We're just exchanging mute issues. This, uh,
1: this. It's morning. it's Felix. I think he's rubbing off on everybody at the network now.
2: Well, Aaron, Aaron Jones, man, uh, he was a, a pure delight. Pulled me over the uh, finish line, and Scott Fishbowl. pulled me over the finish line, in a couple of other places.
1: Uh, thank you, Aaron Jones. Yeah, I think a lot of people are either saying thank you or F you right now because he uh, cost a lot of people a win from what I've heard as well. Uh, His monster night, which we will get into here in just a minute, uh, really helped a lot of people and obviously uh, hurt some people as well who was probably going into day like 30 points. um, I'm good. Aaron Jones ain't going to do that. Uh, They were wrong. There was, uh,
2: in my my work league,
1: um, where there's always a lot of trash
2: talking and, and competitiveness, guy went into last night down 88 points, had uh, Aaron Jones, uh, Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams. He won by like five or
1: six. Wow. That's got to be something like you relish forever. So we are going to break down that Monday Night Football game between the Lions and the Packers, and then we are going to give you guys our – waiver wire targets here after week two heading in to week three we usually do our rankings uh what we messed up on and what we got right we will do that on tomorrow's episode as Matt and myself will be back tomorrow to preview the Thursday night football game as well so let's jump in and talk about that Monday night football game <laughs> The Packers beat the Lions 35-17, to and let's start with the Lions side here. Quintez Cephas looked great last night. Matt, has he become the go-to wide receiver for Jerry Goff?
2: Yeah. I mean, he got a touchdown in week one, which was somewhat encouraging. We talked about after week one, they used a lot of different receivers and you're waiting to see if one would distinguish themselves. Tyrell Williams was out. um, So you don't know if his return will alter the equation, but Cephas seven targets uh, had the most of wide receivers, second most of any uh, receivers out there uh, in the package, caught four for 63 and another touchdown. He's, you know, one of the few guys who was in this Lions receiving room last year, too. So maybe pick some stuff up and is ready for a bigger role. I am interested in getting him. You know, Amon Ross, St. Brown, saw five targets, had a decent night, too. Uh, they did use some other guys, but it looks like Cephas is kind of getting a little traction, has got touchdowns in consecutive weeks, saw his target share go up. Those are all encouraging signs, as we thought someone would emerge from this receiver room.
1: Yeah, we'll I'll just talk a little bit more about him as he is not rostered in a whole lot of places right now. So he may be a guy that a lot of people are going to spend their money on. Uh, the Lions, you know, for the most part, actually seem like they're a very decent team. They hung in this game for the most part early on. It was really kind of toward the end of the third quarter that the Packers kind of tried to started separating themselves. They went and had, I think, scored like 17 17- unanswered points in this game, but uh, the lines look good in the first half. Jared Goff has been decent. I guess probably what we expected, maybe not as bad as we all thought he was going to be, but definitely maybe not as good as the lions hoped he would be in trading for him. Not sure if that was more of just a, uh, you know, just trying to get somebody in here as they get ready for the Sam how train uh, next year. I don't know I don't know who Felix really wants them to draft, but uh, Sam how I think would be uh be very good for this team. On the, Are you worried at all about Swift? Uh, Because the Packers' defense was not great week one, and I felt like they did a pretty good job of locking him up in this one. Now, he did come in supposedly dealing with an injury, so maybe that has some to do with it here, but are you worried at all about Swift?
2: I mean, he got the most carries on the team. It was only one more than Williams. We got the most carries, 4.6 yards a carry. They were behind a lot, so they – they probably weren't going to run the ball a lot. He saw five targets, which was third most on the team. Caught four of them for 41. A lot of them did come kind of late in the drive. But, you know, 8.1, But he gets you around 12 points. PPR could be worse.
1: Yeah. As a little, I guess, just a shock to the system to see that Jared Goff led the whole team in rushing. You would think that Swift would hopefully do a little bit better. But, like, as well, you mentioned, adding 41 of- yards. got Goff
2: did lead them in rushing, but he had a 26-yard kind of broken play run that that's going to skew things. The Lions just don't look like they're they didn't look like they were trying to run a lot after they got down kind of early, and then it was a weird game flow. I thought in general.
1: Yeah, again, to get you 12 points in a game like that, I think it's probably good for Swift. I'm starting to regret not keeping him in one of my big money leagues, the keeper league. I could have had him in the fourth round. I kept Jonathan Taylor in the second. You know, it is only two weeks in, so I don't want to panic too much, but uh, I am a little bit like this much. Um well, gonna... I think I'd be more
2: worried had Jamal Williams gotten like a much larger share Williams yeah. had fewer carries, had fewer targets, had fewer receptions. You know, if he was not getting you a big game and somebody else was taking a lot of work. I think problem is they're probably both going to get work and if if you have a game like last night where there isn't a ton of targets and carries, then you're splitting a much smaller pie.
1: On the Packers' side, it looks like they bounce back in a major way. Aaron Rodgers had a good game, 22 for 27, 255 yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. But Aaron Jones is the man of the hour here. As you mentioned at the beginning there, four touchdowns in this one. He had 67 on the ground with a touchdown, and then three receiving touchdowns on four with 48 yards on six catches. I mean, Aaron Jones is back. We we keep every year talking about like he's got to regress a little bit in touchdowns, right? I feel like he's already back on par to score a ton of touchdowns. He's going to be a top running back again this year. I mean, if anybody panics after week one, I I really hope you didn't sit him or trade him, but what a game from Aaron Jones. Yeah, it really looks like the one that's about to
2: regress in touchdowns is Adams who had uh, 18 last year at zero through two games, Aaron Jones, you know, he still has 15 games left on the season, already has four touchdowns. You figure by accident he's he's bound to get at least six more, which gives him double digits. But that is, you know, it's for a long time in that game, there were only three people that had recorded stats aside from Aaron Rodgers. It was Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, and then you see Tanyan. Tanya continues to be, like, incredibly efficient. Only saw three targets, caught all three for 52 yards and a touchdown. MBS, we had seen the previous week get, like, 10 targets. You know, only got four yesterday. Didn't record a single reception. So... It's really to me. It's really Jones and Adams and Rogers, and then given the state of the tight end position, you you could be worse than throwing out Tanya. But those guys are going to continue to produce and put up packets.
1: Yeah, I mean, just thinking about Devonte Adams here. A lot of people complaining about him not getting a touchdown. I mean, imagine being upset that wide receiver got eight catches for 121 yards. Like, I think that just speaks to how good Devonte Adams is. And, like, the expectations he has set for all of the the people who roster him is just like you, you're you expecting more, and yet he still went out there and had, like, a massive day. I, I think Adams is going to be fine. Uh, looked good. Aaron Rodgers had that one beautiful bomb to him down the sideline. Uh, they definitely were trying to get him involved in the game. Uh, I was, you know, I'll, I'll channel my inner Dennis here and say that I was, you know, surprised how much they were trying to get MVS involved as well. They went to him yeah. a lot and yet they they really couldn't connect on it, but I do think that's you know a good thing for if you're an MVS uh, if you have MVS on any of your rosters that they were really trying to get him involved in this game.
2: Yeah, and he had ten targets the week before, and what was kind of a garbage game. So he's got fourteen targets. That's a good sign. It seems like he and Randall Cobb kind of have distance. It's the shocking one to me. I I don't think Lazard's been out injured. No, he was he was in
1: cuz I saw him seem uh to be in
2: focus either week yeah. and then AJ Dillon who we thought was going to be in for a big share yeah. looks like the missing man formation right now.
1: Yeah, Dillon I I'm not as worried for Dillon. I think just because of how bad week 1 was and then when you have a guy like Aaron Jones going off the way he does I don't think you sit him. I think you kind of ride the hot hand and he was on fire last night. Now Lazard was there because I saw him at halftime go up and give Jamal Williams a hug. They they were showing like a bunch of the Packers players going up and talking to Jamal. So he was there. I was trying to see I was I've got it pulled up. So he um he didn't even get targeted. No. So I, I don't know, know if he was maybe he was hurt, but he was in uniform. He had he had everything on when he went and talked to Jamal. So but, they, I mean, they only threw it 27 times, and 18
2: of those were to Jones, Adams, and Tanya. And for a long time, those were the only three that had any recorded yeah. stats. They weren't even targeting other people. Cobb, you know, a lot was made of his celebrating his big return. We haven't really seen a huge factor. MVS, they do seem to be targeting, haven't really connected. But aside from that, you know, it's not not a lot out there.
1: That is correct. And so, folks, since I am a big, dumb animal, I forgot to tell you guys that we are proud to be a part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. They've got a ton of great other podcasts on there. You can see the logo right up there to my – I can't even point right. We're not – I'm done pointing. Uh, But it's up here at the top of our stream if you're watching live. They have a ton of great podcasts, football, baseball, hockey, fantasy, soccer, everything – Check them out. They are a great uh, network, and we are very proud to be a part of them.
2: And speaking of being part of them, We are now proud to be partnering up with DraftKings. Uh, Week two of football is in the books, and so it's time to kind of review the tape and get ready for week three with the DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up, because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week one on any week three game to receive $150 free in free bets instantly. If Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, DraftKings still has huge cash prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes on their first deposit. Now this is the most important part. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code T-P-P-N to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code T-P-P-N, the Pigskin Podcast Network, at the DraftKings Sportsbook and the official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 years or older, uh, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania restaurants uh, residents only new customers only a minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required per customer restrictions apply see
1: draftkings.com/sportsbook for details all right and we are definitely happy to be working with DraftKings as well uh we will talk a little bit more probably about some DFS stuff on our Friday episodes Let's talk about waiver wires um, or waiver targets, I should say, for Week Two. We'll start with the quarterback position. Matt, I mentioned this yesterday, uh, probably much to all of our surprise. Teddy Bridgewater has attempted the most passes over twenty yards. Made a joke that he probably hasn't completed most of them, but he's still making the attempts at least, and that is all that matters. You got to shoot your shot, right? If you don't shoot your shot, no. you have no chance in completing it. Right now, he is sitting at fifteen percent, fifteen point eight percent rostered as well as Taylor Henicky who is at 3%. What are your thoughts on these two QBs? Um let's attack it from a single QB and a super flex league.
2: Yeah, so I think uh Superflex Bridgewater needs to be rostered. He's shown no signs he's going away. They got the Jets this week. I think it's going to be pretty good. I I'm sure you haven't done your rankings. yet. I just did mine today. I have him as QB 15 for the week. I think he's a super flex start. Um you know, he hasn't he's taking shots deep. Cortland Sutton looks good. Fans looking good. They have Tim Patrick looking good. They have KJ Hamler looking good. They seem to be throwing a lot more than running, which I think is a surprise to both of us, especially given the quality of their running backs. Um, but he should definitely be on. Heineke's probably a guy I'm rostering in Superflex as well. If you're in a one QB league, I would roster Bridgewater because I think you know we're get about to come to bye weeks. We've seen a spate of injuries the last few weeks. I could see rolling him in there. In fact, in, our, um, in a couple of my one QB redraft leagues, a guy did end up starting Bridgewater because a couple of his other quarterback options kind of uh, faded. Um, that would be a matchup play. I don't know if I'm rostering Heineke in a one quarterback league. Super flex I am. I still think probably this week he's a high-end QB3. He has QB2 potential. I thought he looked good week one. I think they're going to want to run more. Buffalo is no joke. Um, they're at yeah. home again. They've been pretty good. Even mm-hmm. big men didn't do that well against them. Nobody for Miami had anything to write home about. So it would probably be a more conservative game this week.
1: Yeah, Bridgewater, I'm 100% on board with you. In a 1QB league, I don't know if I'm starting him. I guess it depends on who else you drafted because I don't know how often he finishes as like a top 12 quarterback. But if you punted quarterback, you know, I've seen on a couple waiver wires that I'm in, I'm really only in two redraft leagues. But in both of them, not only was Teddy Bridgewater, but so was Daniel Jones. I'm taking Daniel Jones over Teddy, but that's just because of the rushing upside. But I'm with you. They are passing the ball a whole lot more than any of us thought they were. And that definitely gives him some value, especially if those guys uh, continue to convert those catches. If Sutton continues to look as good as he has, Fan had a really good game this past week as well. So, and in Superflex, I think he is a smash start for Henneke, I I'm definitely picking him up in a Superflex league because that having that other or that third quarterback matters. But I'm with you; I'm not starting him unless I have to. You know, I'm in a couple of leagues that have um, Scott Fishbowl scoring, uh, where I started Zach Wilson. Uh, with his negative 14 points, Whew. I might start Haneke over Zach Wilson yeah. most weeks because uh, I actually think he's got a little bit of safer um, floor than what or Wilson over has.
2: James Mills or over Jacob Eason, guys yeah. who are all likely to be starters this week over at Jameis Winston. Quarterback, we're only in week three. There are some unappealing options on the bottom end.
1: Yeah. It's uh it's getting rough out there folks already. It's it's, it's again as you mentioned it's only week 3. So Henneke, I think is is more of like a safe play. I, he's never going to really like blow you away, but he doesn't really turn the ball over that much as well. So I think he is a very safe option to play a quarterback in 2QB leagues. I am definitely picking him up and just holding on to him in case I need him for a start. Running back we've got three options here, two very interesting one, eh. J.D. McKissick at thirty-five point five percent, Daryl Patterson at eleven point five, and then Peyton Barber at six point eight.
2: Yeah, I'm. You can't sell me on Peyton Barber.
1: Um, I know he. <laughs> I'm with you.
2: Josh Jacobs is supposedly supposed to be out again. Uh, Kenyon Drake didn't get a ton of carries, but at least is getting passing game work. The way the Raiders are playing, I think they might just pump the the rush game all together again. You know, the best case scenario, Peyton Barber rolls to like eight to ten points for you. I don't really see him necessarily getting a touchdown. That would be a miracle. Yeah. Patterson and McKissick are interesting just because of their roles. McKissick seems to be kind of a two-minute drill, uh, hurry-up offense guy. He seems to still have the same kind of passing role he had last year. He had good chemistry with Heineke. I think he is in that you know RB3 flex consideration. I moved him up quite a bit this week from where I've had him the last couple of weeks based on what we saw on Thursday night and Cordero Patterson. I don't know if I think he's incredible, but obviously Arthur Smith does. Dude got a couple of touchdowns. He's getting consistently carries and opportunities in the passing game, uh, which gives him, you know, I, I still am not as bullish. I have him in the RB4 range, but he definitely is somebody that you could do worse.
1: Yeah, I think Patterson is worth picking up. But as I mentioned on yesterday's episode, I'm still not out on Mike Davis being the guy. I I really don't know that they're going to continue to use Cordero Patterson the way that they did last week. I could be wrong. Uh, I'm just – they they signed Mike Davis for a reason. I, I do think he's the better overall running back, but Cordero Patterson has obviously a little bit better burst and speed than what Mike Davis has, and he's a little bit better of a, of a receiving back because he's technically a converted wide receiver. Uh, so I don't think he has a role there, but I'm still kind of in on Mike Davis, but you've got to pick him up just based on what we saw last week knowing who his head coach is and the way that they like to run that offense. You know, McKissick is the guy for me. We saw last year, he had a ton of value in that offense. And we all hoped that some of the receiving work he saw last year was going to transition to Antonio Gibson. That has not happened for two weeks. It still seems to be McKissick's show. Now, granted, Henneke hasn't really seemed to want to dump off that much, but they were designing plays for McKissick when he was out there. So he's a guy I would definitely pick up, especially if you're hurting at running back uh, with some of the injuries or if maybe you just kind of punted running back for whatever reason after they're your top guy, however you handled it. He's definitely a guy, especially in PPR leagues, I would be willing to go. I'd spend a decent amount of fab on him because right now, there's not really anything else good on the waiver wire. And I don't know outside. There's a couple like sleeper guys that I'm I'm thinking about picking up, but that's in deeper leagues. And then you're kind of hoping for an injury, like with Swift already dealing with an injury, you know, like uh, Jamar Jefferson's on my watch list. Cause I think he could be someone who could be really good with Jamal Williams, but you need one of those guys to get hurt. Jamar's not going to carve out a role with both of those guys there. We don't know what's going on in, san francisco right now i mean sermon's out with a concussion hasty's hurt jeff wilson can't come back till week six so it might just be is elijah mitchell hurt i can't remember Uh, he
2: he returned to the game he dinged up his shoulder but i expect him to play i'm thinking i'm hoping sermon gets cleared uh too because beyond that
1: who who is the guy that cannon
2: uh, yeah trenton
1: Cannon. cannon yeah so yeah, I mean you're you're hoping for I'm right there with you. I mean that was a bad hit for Sermon. You know, I know a lot of people are giving him crap for fumbling the ball, but dude took like a almost helmet to helmet hit and then slammed his face in the ground. I mean, again, I'm not a man. I wouldn't have held on to the ball either. So, you know, it's one of those things where you got to cut some of these guys some slack. That was a pretty vicious hit that he took at the wide receiver position. Tim Patrick coming in at 17.4, Zach Pascal at 15. K.J. Osborne, 2.1. And then the guy we mentioned earlier in the episode, Quinn Tez is at 1.8. How are you attacking the wide receivers who are available on the waiver wire?
2: Yeah, so, you know, Patrick, I think, has looked pretty good. He's gotten um, touchdown looks in both games. Uh, and, you know, we've seen him step up and be valuable before. He's for sure uh, the wide receiver, too, opposite Cortland Sutton uh, right now. Um, I think he should be rostered everywhere. Pascal, another guy, seems to just carve out a role. He's gotten touchdowns each of the first two weeks. Uh, We can't write him out. He seems to be the wide receiver, too, for the Colts. Um, I still like Pittman a little bit more. Osborne, we talked about it last week, should have probably gotten picked up. Uh, 2.1 suggests people didn't jump on that train. Um, He has been very good for Minnesota. They're probably going to be behind a lot. He seems to uh, be getting targets and looks. And then Cephas seems to have jumped into that role of being the top target for now for Detroit. I would roster them all. If I'm putting it in priority order, I'm probably going – Patrick Cephas Osborne Pascal as as part of me just cannot totally commit to Zach Pascal. But I also think with Carson Wentz having two ankle sprains, I think there's little chance he's playing this week. I think you're getting Jacob Eason and I really want no part of the passing game with Jacob Eason.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Michael Pittman took a major step forward in last week's game too, but now with Jacob Eason going out there, I'm with you. I don't know that I trust anybody, including unfortunately like jonathan taylor which just it hurts to say that uh i, I like patrick i mean a couple of years ago he was having a really good season for the broncos um i don't know if i could ever roster well you know what it wasn't tim patrick's fault so maybe i should hold it against him but what, what was the year that they had case keenum as their quarterback was that 19 18 i think it was 18 so night to 2018 yeah, i had a it chance was to go Cousins first year yeah, I had a chance to go for three championships in a row, and then Case Keenum decides to throw an interception over the middle. I had Tim Patrick on my team. I needed .3 points. To my third championship in a row. It was intercepted. So, probably more Case Kim's fault, not Tim Patrick's. But uh, Tim Patrick has been very good for Denver when he has been asked to step up with the injuries. Um, and then, obviously, KJ Osborne and, and Cephas have just looked amazing to start off the season. And Osborne's a guy that I think I'm kind of more and more in on because these defenses seem to really be keying in on Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And if that's the case, Osborne's going to continue to look good because it seems like they have completely gone away from the old Mike Zimmer of wanting to run the ball a ton, and they've actually been passing the ball maybe because their team is just not good and they haven't been in games. I would probably put Cephas and Osborne first and then Tim Patrick, and I'm with you on Pascal last. I just don't, I can't see it. I, I refuse, and if I lose because I don't have Zach Pascal on my team, I'm okay with it. Like, I just, I can't, I can't see it. You know, Patrick, I still think, is going to be third in line. Now, maybe I could be, I mean, I think he started in line behind Sutton and Fan. I am encouraged, as we talked about earlier, the fact that Denver is throwing it as much as they are. So maybe he ends up getting that volume. But I think with Cephas likely being the one behind Hawkinson, at least the one at the wide receiver position. And then just what Osborne has done the past two weeks, I think I'd rather take a shot on one of them. But I'm with you. I'd rather, I'd roster all three if I can, and I'd put them in whatever order you can to get them. I'd be happy with all of them except for Pascal. And he's probably going to end up being the best out of all of them because we just crapped all over him in this segment.
2: Yeah, Pat, uh, Patrick had four targets on Sunday, which doesn't sound like a lot, but was actually the third Um most on Denver, but it's not even just Fant they're using. They're using Alberto at tight end. He had four targets, too. I've been dropping him in my tight end two rankings. He had four targets in both games, uh, and he's been incredibly efficient. He has seven receptions, two touchdowns, uh, just under 80 yards on eight
1: targets. That is, that's actually a a lot better than I thought you were about to read. Speaking of the Broncos, since we're here, before we get to the tight ends, did you see the news about Bradley Chet?
2: That he hurt his ankle?
1: He is getting surgery, arthroscopic surgery.
2: I mean, he looked like he had the smell of a multi-game miss when he came out. So he hurt his ankle. That's why he didn't go week one. It was tentative about week two. He went in, he came out, um, Pretty early in that game and slammed his helmet on the ground. That is never a good sign to me. Uh, but Denver. No, yeah, is, it's not. Their depth is being tested. You know, Ronald Darby went on IR, which already thinned out their corners. It looks like Josie Jewell tore a peck, I think is what they think. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, it's all heating me up for the season. So
2: they get Zach Wilson this week. So I still think 3 0. It's after the. Jeez. I always thought yeah. Denver was going to start hot because giants jaguars jets and you're talking about fangio knows how to scheme and we have some really good defensive players going against uh you know daniel jones i'm going to give credit looks better than i thought but going against rookies you know and even before wilson struggled last week i thought that was going to be good after that reality comes home a little bit more we got the ravens i want to see what denver looks like against the ravens before i start to get too excited
1: yeah, that could be a very good game. We usually talk about defenses being the get-right game for offenses. Zach Wilson and the Jets are the get-right game for the defense. So you know that's a definitely if you if you know if you've got De- if Denver's defense is on your waiver, pick them up this week because they are. Yeah, I mean, good. I'm ranking them.
2: I'm ranking them as my number one defense because Sertan looked really good week one. Yeah. They love Fuller. They have two incredible safeties up over the middle, and Von Miller has looked like Super Bowl fifty. Von Miller. He has three sacks in two games, even without Chubb in there.
1: All right. So last but not least for us today, the tight ends. Pat Fryerbooth coming in at five point eight percent rostered, and good old Max Williams back from the dead. 0.0000001% rostered. How are you attacking the tight ends here?
2: You know, um, so Friar is probably more of a pickup in redraft because I find it hard to believe he wouldn't be rostered in Dynasty. He was one of only a couple of tight ends. Seemed like sure bets. What is interesting to me about him is we thought – it would still probably be more of an Ebron season, and you might see a passing of the torch like Jimmy Graham to Cole Komet toward the end of the season. But it already seems like Muth is a bigger part of the offense. Ebron only had two targets, no receptions last week. Muth targeted four times, more times, caught all four passes. Seems like he might be uh, already the the tight end to go to in Pittsburgh. Max Williams. I'm I'm picking them up. The state of the tight end is so fungible. Um, I think the first four or five weeks we're really going to have no idea beyond the top core of guys, and even guys like George Kittle. It's hard to say somebody who's been solidly in the top ten is a disappointment, but he, we haven't even seen the high high highs with him. There's really only three guys that are putting up incredible numbers at the tight end position right now. So there's a lot uh, of interest. Max. Max Williams, he got seven targets, had seven receptions last week. That, you know, it doesn't take much to move the needle at tight end. So I think he's, he should be rostered. If Firemouth isn't picked up and you're in Dynasty, you definitely should be grabbing him and thanking somebody for the gift. Um, But Max Williams, probably the guy that's more likely to get picked up in every league.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's any. If, if I agree with you, if Friermuth is not rostered in a dynasty league, he needs to be rostered now. Uh, that that's a big mistake by everybody in your league. I'm going to give Max Williams one more week. I I don't know if it was one of those weeks for him that he just kind of went off. I don't trust him one bit. I definitely think uh, Arizona's offense but- has been out to, off to a great start. So
2: who is trustworthy at tight end i'm not trying to be me that's
1: just no it feels i get like you it's kind of a i feel such like a fungible position i feel like more than likely the tight end you drafted is probably still the better start over max williams and i, I even like i was looking at stuff today and like you know i was looking at some of the guys that I, in the leagues that, that i've punted tight end a little bit like i have jared cook in one of them like I think I'd still rather start Jared Cook over Max Williams right now. I mean, he had the touchdown called back uh, against the Cowboys. You know, didn't look bad in week one either. Like, I, I think I'd rather have him over Max Williams. Like, I agree with you. It t- Max Williams could easily be a top-12 tight end all season long because it doesn't take much to get there. I just think I'd rather use my... Like if you were to put him up with the rest of the people we just talked about today, he would still probably be my last waiver wire pick. Like I'd rather have oh, yeah. any of those well, ru- wide receivers running back. So.
2: If you're burning a waiver ri- wire on, uh, on the tight end position, it's probably because you have a low waiver priority or the rest yeah. of your team's pretty well set. But I mean – I don't see a harm in Ross in in the early season going. So you know, we thought Furkser was going to be a big target. He didn't do much in week two. Was out in week or in week one. Didn't do. Uh, was out in week two. You know, Maybe that's a guy um, I'm dropping to go get a Max Williams or a Jawan Johnson. Adam Troutman was a big popular pickup. In Dynasty, you shouldn't drop him, but if you're in redraft, he doesn't look like he's getting a great consistent target share, so I might rotate away. A, a lot of people punted on tight end, or if you're in leagues like some of the, the leagues I'm in with, You know, with players that maybe aren't like us that spend every waking hour looking at fantasy football, people in those leagues roster two and three tight ends. So you may be down to some grim options. You know, I couldn't bring myself to take a bunch of tight ends in my work in my work league. But now, you know, if I see a guy like Max Williams and I have a slot, I may stash him because there isn't going to be anything on the on the wire because people collect positions. They feel like they need to have backups.
1: Yeah, so there's two tight ends. I see. I'm just kind of looking at different services to see Austin Hooper at 48. That he might, so he might be available. In the fact that he's not over 50, that I would probably look at. Then there's another guy, and I feel like I might get you a little bit excited here because he's a guy we both have believed in. He's had two very good weeks so far. Dawson Knox at six percent. Would you take him over either one of those? And redraft specifically, uh, because right now he had six points in week one and 8.7 points in week two. And I'm pretty sure in week one he had a touchdown called back, if I'm remembering correctly, due to a holding call. He got the touchdown last week. I know I saw that. Are we backing on Dawson Knox? Because I kind of feel like – Gabriel Davis really hasn't taken that step forward we hoped he would, so it really seems like maybe Dawson Knox is working his way up to the three. I don't know. I'm starting to talk myself back in to Dawson Knox, and I didn't think I was going to be here, but I kind of am right now.
2: Yeah, Knox has been really efficient. He only had three targets last week. One of them ends up being a touchdown reception. two for 17. In Dynasty, I think, think he should still be rostered and redraft I, I'm putting him you know there's potential I Maybe it's I feel about him like sometimes we've felt about Chris Herndon. Like I w- have wanted him to be good for so long, but we we haven't seen consistency that now even when I see bright lights, it's almost like how you feel about Tyler Higby. Like, you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, I might as well quit what I'm doing and no longer analyze the game. So I'm right. – You know, Buffalo's passing game and Buffalo's offense in general has been weird. The last two weeks, we aren't seeing like, you know, they were an incredible passing offense last year. The first week, they struggled to get on track. Last week, I don't know if it's because they were just destroying them. They seem to run more. um I still don't know what Buffalo wants to be.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like if you don't grab Knoxville this weekend, he has another big week. He's going to be the top tied in. Target.
2: Yeah. They're After week Washington. three, so they're playing Washington. Washington is
1: better in the linebacker
2: and safeties, at least appeared to me, than they are at the outside yeah. corners. I feel like this is a potential game where we finally see Diggs and Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley do what we've thought they were gonna do because the strength of Washington's defense should be the line through the middle. They're weaker on the outer bounds, um, so that may dictate a little bit. Miami, on the other hand, seem like they're strongest on the outer bounds and a little bit weaker when you come to the core, and maybe that's been dictating the way they played.
1: All right, so that will do it for us today. Nice, quick, easy episode. Matt and myself will be back again tomorrow. We'll talk about what we got right and what we got wrong in week four. Any updates on news or injuries for the NFL, and then we will preview the Thursday night game, the incredibly sounding Thursday night game between the Carolina Panthers and the Houston Texans.
2: I, I need you to prepare all of your glowing recommendations about Davis Mills because we know the Davis Mills era is here for three weeks because they have no intention of playing Watson and Tyrod yeah. went to IR.
1: I will bring all of the uh, best analysis that I can on the wildly overrated Davis Mills for you guys tomorrow.
0: Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on red. Do you got your pop on red? I can't like the wall out already. in the zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throwing up above his head, they can't jump with me. God, Lee, only tackle them for four old Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> <laughs>